Hello, and welcome to Project Quantum Leap Classic, where we review the classic episodes and discuss their impact on us, their modern relevance, and how they stand the test of time. These bonus episodes will only be joined by Christina and Andrew, so we can keep Sydney's perspective for the new series fresh and unbiased. So on today's show, we're looking at episodes 13 and 15 of season three, and that's going to be Future Boy and Piano Man. Um, Andrew chose Future Boy, and I chose Piano Man. So, let's get into it. Uh, first episode, Future Boy, Season 3, Episode 13, and the leap date is October 6, 1957. Sam leaps into Kenny Sharp. He's a young actor who has to save his co-star, Mo Stein, who is Captain Galaxy, from dying. And also, Al is pretty insistent that Mo also needs to be committed into a mental institution. Yeah, that's what Ziggy is saying. That's the solution. That's that's what you're supposed to do. That's how you save him. Um, I I didn't. So I chose this episode, like you said. Um, I didn't know the sort of themes it was going to go into when I chose this episode. Um, I was just looking through the DVDs. Um, the name called out to me because I I love. I'm a sucker for time crap. So, <laughs> Which is good um, because look at the show we're watching. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I was like, okay, I wonder what that's about. And I like looked into it, and I was like, oh, it looks like it's a pretty cool and fun episode, science fiction from the fifties, you know. And he, that's the kind of the role he's going to be in. So like, yeah, I'm gonna, I want to, I want to choose that one. And then just like watching it, and I was like, wow, this is so relevant. You know, not only is mental health has has only just recently become less taboo. Um, but men's mental health specifically and and just like the 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 writing him off like oh he's crazy oh he's crazy oh he's crazy um and say i'm not believing that i mean yeah there's there's a kernel of craziness in there but as we know now everything's a spectrum and oftentimes the smarter you are the less socially capable you yeah. are so there's there's those weird quirks that people will call you crazy and, and it- uh, I just thought it was really cool. I wasn't expecting that when I chose it, you know? I think I kind of shocked you, too, when you when you mentioned that one. And I was like, oh, that's a good yeah. one for mental health. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. okay. I was like, what? <laughs> I was just, I just liked the concept of, like, who he was going yeah. to be. And it, it so. was, I mean, there was a, a little bit of um of silliness to it. Oh, there was a lot I mean, of silliness to it. I mean, you come out of this spaceship time travel machine mm-hmm. and you're like wearing tinfoil i you know i'm pretty i like that i like that moment that um sam has where he's just like what's going on <laughs> like, when he first gets there and he's like time circuits or whatever that's what they call them back yeah. in future. i don't remember what they call it in this one but when he's like has to control the, the ship and he's just so confused and even after he gets out and there's people holding the cue cards and he's still like still figuring it out, he's like it still takes that minute because of the shock of what just happened. It was, it was really yeah. funny, really silly yeah. and just, I don't, I don't know, just well portrayed. Yeah. And um, I just like the whole thing, there's just um, even with the seriousness of the topics that comes in, there's still a lot of moments where you, you can just laugh because. Mm hmm. It's like the, who was it, the director or, I don't know, writer, whatever he was. Mm-hmm. I thought he was going to have a heart attack at some point during yeah. the show. 
I am. I'm also a fan of the uh, the pyramid hat. Oh, that was great. The tin tinfoil pyramid hat, and how he couldn't just like not put it yeah. on. <laughs> he had to keep, and and Sam would take it off him, and then the next time you'd see him, it'd be back on and his then head. He tried to... Or he would, yeah. he'd offer it to Sam. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was that was really good that, stuff. Yeah, that was good. Um, I really enjoyed I, it. I did too. My my big thoughts, touching back on the the serious topics on it. Um, like it took place in the 1950s and like we said, it was kind of a stigma attached to it. You didn't talk about, especially men's mental health and mental institutions in the 1950s. They don't have the best reputations. All the horror stories. That's where they exactly. come from. Um, and I was, it could be, it could be the end of your life. Not necessarily you're going to die, but it could be the end of what you exactly are. and i was looking into it and lobotomies were still a thing and yeah. i didn't you hear that and you think oh that's like from way back in the day well it's not it's more recent than we thought um so just how mental patients is that what they're called well i guess that's what they were called know. back then um how they were treated it, it speaks for themselves it speaks for itself and uh, the daughter, I know she thought that she was doing what was best for him, but Sam, and even the audience, to a point, I would think disagree that that would be what was best for him. Yeah, because we always want to know that Sam knows best, yeah. and so we are led to believe what Sam believes. And I think the show does a really good job of, for the most part, everything that I've remembered and have revisited has made us feel that way like it doesn't matter what everyone in the show believes if sam believes this one thing they illustrate that the audience also believes it and they they do a good job of of actually making me believe it like like i feel bad for the guy even before we know that he is not just crazy but he's actually like so close <laughs> to making a, a quantum leaping right? machine um so even before we know that, he's an endearing character who just, he needs love and attention, but not just to be put away. Like, but in the 50s, you're right, she thought she was doing what was going to be best for him. And it's a difficult, difficult position for Sam to be in to have the knowledge, I think, of 30 years later. Yeah. And, like, have to convince somebody from 30 years prior without, like, revealing the knowledge that they shouldn't know which sometimes he just does but yeah like in the first episode he's like okay this is how you stop premature labor and they're like okay yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah like sometimes he does yeah but i think as, as the show goes on he gets better at not um uh like shaking the uh the status quo yeah of knowledge which is hard because because how do you get your end result if you can't tell them, like, the whole story about why you know this to exactly. be Exactly. Yeah. So it, it is hard on him. Um, and just in this episode, the links that he goes through. And this, this it was sad, but it was also silly, too. He, just to convince everyone that Mo is not insane is, like, the harder he tried. Like, the more Mo would do. The more... <laughs> the more like Mo was dead set on being declared insane. Like 
like everything with the doctor was going so great. And then he's like, oh, let me show you my time machine. So yeah. Like, oh. oh, no. <laughs> like, and I, I think at that point, even Sam, he didn't believe that that thing was going to work. Um, yeah. So he was really like, oh, shit. Speaking of, I think it was just incredibly understated how close he was to actually like becoming a leader. Yeah, which it, it goes to show that, yeah, okay, he was he was an actor, he was an old guy, everybody convinced, you know, he was crazy. But he had to have had some kind of genius in him to be able to do it. Nobody does that by accident. Yeah, I mean, he was glowing. He was like the lead. I honestly, like my like internal canon of why it failed is he just didn't have enough power. Most likely. Which would be a product of the 50s. I mean, the, the power grade couldn't support something like that. And he didn't have his own like power supply or backup power supply. So yeah. I think in my in my own head canon, he had everything correct technologically using CRTs and like <laughs> technology of the 50s to make a leaping portal, a leaping machine. I don't know what it's called. Um, except for the the basically a clean and high amount of power to just keep it running. Yeah, and um long enough to complete. Uh, even yeah. Al seemed shocked. Like, yeah. oh god, this guy knew what he was doing. Mm-hmm. So, I, I they didn't really expand on what kind of an education he had before going and where where did he even find this stuff? You know they weren't thinking about this stuff in the 50s. Yeah. I think I think he did briefly mention that he himself like deep dived into the research, yeah, um, thinking about it. But yeah, they didn't expand on like he couldn't just look, you know, classes of, of from Harvard on yeah. YouTube like we can now. Like, <laughs> so how he did it is a mystery. <laughs> but like today, you could like literally going to Harvard is free. You can't get a degree, yeah, but you can take all the classes and gain all the knowledge for free. They just post all all their courses up just to watch MIT too but we're, we're not condoning building time machines in your basement <laughs> no 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 um no at home time travelers yeah that, <laughs> that, might, that might cause a little trouble or you might blow something up saying right now don't do it uh, I am um, I'm actually while we're speaking I'm only just kind of now realizing something that we mentioned in the last episode was the kind of no point of origin for something. Yeah. Right? Um, which they did in this episode, too. The whole, like, jumbled up string thing. Al tells Mo. I mean, Sam. Al. Sam tells Mo, And then Mo tells yeah. Sam. So where did the idea actually come so from? So <laughs> Sam basically taught himself his own string theory. Yeah, as a child. Right? And, and even Mo had that down. He had yeah. he had it almost exactly, you know, except Sam was like, oh, yeah, but what if? What yeah. if this? Yeah, I, th- I thought that was pretty funny, especially since we just talked about it in the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, like, what really got me was his whole reasoning for it, too, was his strained relationship with his daughter. Um, mm-hmm. You could see that. She held resentment towards him not being there. And we don't really see it until the end that the whole reason he's doing this is because 
he has that guilt from not being there. Mm-hmm. And that's so... Um, a, a normal person could just think, well, why didn't he just say that from the beginning? But that's so on the nose, and I don't know if the writers intended and, and knew this at the time, because this, in the late 80s, early 90s, neurodivergent behaviors were not researched. We knew very little about the autism spectrum. Yeah. And and it, it was just kind of thought of as an on-off switch. You were either autistic or you were not. And, I mean, we know that's not the case yeah. now. But that's so, that's so typical of someone with his type of neurodivergence where he just, he can't say it. He... It's not in him to be able to just say what he's feeling to his daughter, why he's doing it, until it culminates in this in this moment or this thing that, like, kind of forces it out. It's it's um, it was just very well done, and um, especially for when the episode came out, I don't know if it was is luck or they had some actually like, um, inspired writers for that episode who kind of knew what they were talking about, who were on like the the front edge of that sort of research and just knowledge but it was definitely ahead of its time in in displaying that yeah well because even in the 90s when this would have come out early 90s we were Mm -hmm. still kind of not sure how that all worked yeah that's what i mean yeah that's what i meant like at that time period in real life when that episode was written real-life people didn't really know much about autism. It wasn't considered as a thing to study as deeply as it is and has been more recently. Yeah, I we've made a lot of strides in that. I, I've just... Knowing... I don't know if it's because I've known other parents that have had kids with, you know, autism spectrum... And the things I knew in the 90s were, like, completely wrong. And I've learned something new from each and every person that I've met. And I'm like, wow, they really have come a long way in figuring this out. Yeah, I don't want to name names, obviously. But you remember the kid who lived up the street, right? Yes. And they would go through these regimens where they would, like, hold him down and, like, force him to move his muscles. That just... That was just the absolutely wrong wrong thing to do. I mean, we didn't know that. No. That was what we everyone was told was the right thing to do. This is how you help this child uh, with autism. And it was like God that it was like <laughs> that probably yeah, made it worse. but it was like cutting edge and because it was new yeah. new study and everything like that. Now, on the other hand, I do know that that sort of physical stimulus that's not necessarily pleasant is still thought to be beneficial for some people on the spectrum but to just use it as a blanket is an absolute detrimental thing. yeah i don't i don't think in his case it was and i think it seemed to work for a while but then it kind of didn't because it wasn't didn't he become more socially capable later in life after that was no longer a thing i think so I, it, yeah, it's been um, a long time but yeah yeah we don't know him anymore unfortunately yeah. But I know his name, but I don't yeah. want to say it. But, <laughs> but yeah, I, I do remember. Um, I do remember when that was happening, and like I said, mm-hmm. now it's like, well, why would you do that? Well, that's what they told us because doctors and everything specialists were like, "This is how yeah. to do it." 
what everyone thought was the good thing and to do. It turns out it wasn't. Um, on on that sort of subject, though, there's a movie called The Accountant. It's starring Ben Affleck. And by the way, I was never a been a big Ben Affleck fan um, until he was Batman, and he completely changed my opinion of him. Uh, but this movie, which came out a few years a few years ago, where he plays a severely um, autistic hitman, and there is it's so cool. <laughs> And he's he does such a good job. He is he really is such a good actor. I was I think edge lording on hating him. Um, <laughs> there was no reason for it because man is he a good actor. But there is moments where he um, like after he's done with his day, after he goes through like the grueling task of talking mm-hmm. to people because he he fronts as a, as a finance okay expert. Um, and he like does hitman work on the side. Um, but like when he's doing all this finance stuff. At the end of the day, when he comes home, he, like, turns on his radio to, like, heavy metal, and he, like, turns on strobe lights, and he, like, he over-stimulizes himself, and he, like, hits himself in the leg with a stick, and it kind of is, like, overdoing it so that when it's over, everything feels calm and relaxed, and it's part of his routine to do that, and I just, I just kind of an off-rail onto this, but I would recommend that movie, I think, <laughs> um, since we're talking about neurodivergent uh, neurodivergencies, and that movie is a great example of high-functioning um, neurodivergent capabilities. I've never even heard of it. Oh, I highly recommend it. Every time I, I can plug this movie, I do. <laughs> and, <laughs> For like the last three yeah, years. And like this is the perfect episode to bring that up. So getting back to the episode... Um, we do see that, surprise, surprise, Sam was right. He doesn't, like, being committed would be terrible for him. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. So As we all knew, but. <laughs> yeah. So I, I really like that part where, um, you know, he had the flowers and he was like, I was going to go back and give them to your mother, but can I give them to mm-hmm. you? And. It was like one of those heartwarming moments where it's like, you know, everything is not fixed, but it's on its way. It's a starting point. And it's it's the daughter seeing that he wasn't not trying. Yeah. He just is trying in his own way that she doesn't understand. Exactly. And I, I really liked that. And I liked how, um, you know, Al said, oh, he stays with Irene and. He didn't like give this whole they live happily ever after, but that they're doing yeah. okay and they're working on their relationship. And I, I really like that aspect of it too. That things, no matter how dire they seem, no matter how much you've messed up, there are things that, that can be fixed and they can be worked on and they can be repaired. Yeah. Um, no one's not worth saving. Exactly. Um, especially if they want to be saved, yeah. right? That's often the biggest hurdle. Um, if somebody wants, if the other party wants to be, but yeah, uh, clearly shown in this case, that's all he ever wanted for however long he was working on this machine. Yeah, seems like a long time. I don't remember if there was a time frame, but 
<laughs> yeah. And I mean, there are things, yes, that are absolutely unforgivable. And sometimes you just need to cut that person out. Th- I, this wasn't one of those cases. No, no. She wanted her father. He wanted his daughter. They just were both going about it in the way they thought was best. And Sam just being there in the middle, kind of showing them how to meet in the middle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, all this stuff, man, I was not prepared for it <laughs> when I went to go watch this episode. <laughs> you weren't prepared for the heartbreak? Yeah. And the- Again, just also just being blown away by the compassion... And the understanding Sam is showing to someone who is neurodivergent, which we knew very little about. Yeah. Um, both, I mean, even the time Sam came from. But it just goes to show Sam's, oh, excuse me, Sam's character is, I mean, if any, <laughs> if there's if there's an unknown force in the universe, um, it chose Sam to be this person leaping for a reason. Yeah. And, and we've seen that. In a few episodes, Sam is, you know, he's a super genius, but he also has, and I'm not saying all super geniuses are standoffish, but, you know, usually when you've got that, that brain power, most of my friends I've known that have been the smart ones, they're not really people person, people, 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 persons. Yeah. You you know what I mean? Um, yeah, I mean the la- the last company I worked for, the CEO was a super. I've known him since he was like sixteen years old. Yeah. Um, and I mean it's it's kind of funny because the smarter he got, the less. I mean he was clearly on the spectrum too, but the, like the the more he dove into him, he went to Stanford and started his own business. I ended up working for him. And the and the more he got into that, like the less he kind of lost touch with the social capabilities of being a person. Right. So it's it's interesting how that works. I, I think a lot of it too, um I mean, I know this is a TV show, so they, they can write Sam however they want, but the way the way he was like brought up the people he surrounds himself with now, I think maybe someone like Al, who also is a very smart guy, um, but from a very different background, I think they kind of helped him stay grounded, kind of prepared him for that job that that God time, fate, whatever, pulled him into, you know? Maybe the immortal version of himself that's stuck forever in the quantum realm. Right? (laughs) Is he just right. is he just been a bunch of neurons at this point yeah. looping around through time? Oops. Actually, maybe this is too broad of a subject, but I have a question because I don't I don't know an answer. Okay. Um, what happens to his physical body after he leaped? Yeah, last time I tried to explain this, we just got more confused. Okay. Well, okay. So I'll just pretend. I'll just pretend there's no answer then. It, it's okay. So it's. There is, there are two bodies, right? Because there is the person in the waiting room, and then there's the person that Sam leaps into. 
from my understanding, it's actually Sam leaping into this person. And then they're in the waiting room. That's the simple, that's how I understand it. You mean like a quantum waiting room? Like, so in a way, are they leaping into Sam's body in this waiting room? Yeah. Or Exactly. Exactly. Because Al has brought um, a couple times. Well, well, a couple times you go into the waiting room and Al will be talking to the person. A couple times he's brought them to Sam, you know, so Sam can interact with them. But, um, so when they jump back, they're fully aware that it happened or do they lose their memory of it? Or do we not know? We're not a hundred percent sure, but when Sam leaps, his mess, his message, his mind gets what they called Swiss cheesed and like little holes. Like in the first episode, remember he, he couldn't remember like who he was or yeah. anything like that. The theory is the people that he leaps into kind of have that same effect. So when they go back, it's kind of implied that maybe they have bits and pieces of what happened while they were gone, that they think it was them. Um, There have been a couple times where the person in the waiting room is like freaking out because they're like, I think one guy thought he was abducted by aliens. (laughs) But whether or not they remember all that when they go back, it's unclear yeah. because because we're gone at that point right yeah so that makes sense so you know maybe in the new show they'll expand on that a little Explore more that that would be kind of cool and confusing <laughs> yeah <laughs> of course at the same time um modern media does like to unconfusify things by making them a, so stupid simple they're not entertaining anymore but yeah mm-hmm. but i mean <laughs> that's an internal gripe of my own i think how do you unconfuse quantum physics when we don't really understand it at all to begin with yet. I mean, we do better. Even the ones that do. It's all just theories. Yeah. Can't prove anything because we can't look at anything. Exactly. It's alive and dead. It's so confusing. (laughs) And, And you know what? Time travel has always made my brain hurt, but I absolutely love it. It was, um, It was described to me, we are three-dimensional beings living in a fourth-dimensional space, right? Okay. The ability for us to conceive of the fourth dimension is hard because we we are not fourth dimension. We can only live in this one moment, and we are three-dimension. And it is explained to me in the way that, and kind of like, I mean, technically an ant is a three-dimensional creature, right? Right. from our perspective, it's really not. Mm-hmm. Like an ant cannot conceive of like the Great Pyramid of Giza or like planets or whatever. Right. It can only conceive of its little flat two-dimensional plane. Okay. And we are outside of that and we can see so much more and understand it. So in a way, Sam is now, I mean, the Sam that's not currently in a leaped body, but the Sam that's like making the decisions, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's all the same Sam, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, he would, I guess, technically be a fourth-dimensional creature, being, living in a fifth-dimensional space, whatever that would be. And so he can see the bigger picture that we cannot see anymore. Oh, and that's, God. That's how it was explained to me. Like, someone who is a fourth-dimensional being living in a fifth-dimensional space would be able to comprehend larger 
concepts than us who are three-dimensional beings living in a fourth-dimensional space. Mind-blowing stuff. And that's why Mo Stein (laughs) almost quantum leaped. Yes. (laughs) And that was actually, like, one of the things that I, like, even it says in the notes, I feel this was understated. Yes, it was. (laughs) Like, nobody else even mentioned it. Except, well. Like, he, he glowed blue. He was, like, there. He was about to disappear. Yeah, and, like, his daughter didn't even be like, hey, so what was that? Yeah, why did my father glow? Yeah. Like, even if they don't believe it's a time machine, clearly he made something. Yeah, something like, happened. And, and nothing was like, okay, whatever. Shoo, shoo, shoo. It's like, oh, it's let's fine. just pretend this didn't happen because I don't understand it. Um, I'm, I'm looking at your notes. Um, I'm going to highlight it right now. This one. I think it just shows Sam's character more, right? Yeah. Um, it's... Uh, in the beginning of the episode well actually I think it's like midway through. yeah it's about the middle way when they're at the roller rink yeah and the little boy wants Captain Galaxy to save his dog who died I cried like can you can you go back and lock the gate so my dog doesn't get out what I think it actually covers two things we've already talked about in this episode Sam's just overwhelmingly kind and good natured character but also the way he has to explain things to people in the past using knowledge that he can't explain to them. What a good five seconds of the show. And I, I, the, there's no way the writers are not aware of these things that they're doing. Yeah. I think it just speaks volumes to the quality this very cheesy show can have. Yeah, and... And it's it's like um, just like you said, the way he explained it in a way that someone in the 50s, a way a little boy would understand it and be able to accept it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then Mo's like, I should have told him I'd save the dog. Well, that's only going to break the kid's heart. Yeah, because what's going to happen next week He's just not going to believe in Captain Galaxy anymore. Yeah, and, you know, at this point, we didn't even realize how close Mo was to leaping. But even though yeah. he was close, he still never made it. So, he still, yeah. yeah, that kid would be broken. Another interesting thought, actually, is what if um, Mo's, what if Mo's machine was better than Sam's? What if he could actually, like, direct and come back at will? Yeah, because it kind of seemed like that's what he thought he could do. Like he, yeah, like he knew where he was going. I wonder if I wonder if it would have succeeded. Like, 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 like we said, it was clearly about to succeed. Was it going to the destination that he wanted? And was he actually going to be like quantum leaping into himself, or was he just going to like um, straight up time travel, like Marty McFly, <laughs> like just show up yeah. in the past? <laughs> yeah, old him and and young him. <laughs> right? And he just goes to, to young him and is like, don't do the show. Right? <laughs> like, interesting. Yeah. Things I didn't think about until just now. Yeah, that, that's that's an interesting thought. Anyway, great episode. Um, I'm glad I chose it. <laughs> it. It was a really good episode. I, I do want to bring up one more thing that I absolutely loved about this episode. It is... No secret, I love Al's outfits. Mm. (laughs) 
And the fact that he was wearing like the boring outfit and all his legal battle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like it was to the point where Sam noticed like what the hell's going yeah. on here? <laughs> yeah. Why are you dressed like this, man? Yeah. <laughs> and then and then when he's talking about his ex-wife, he can't even remember which ex-wife it is, but he's in like this little legal battle and then then he starts going into how he got out of it and Sam's like, eh, 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 no, I, I, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Yeah, doesn't he just like sleep with her again? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I was trying to remember if that was the line. How you dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he really was quite the opposite of Sam. In, yeah. In like every way. But I think that's why they worked so well. Yeah, Sam is a, a, is a hopeless... Hopeless romantic. He really is. And Al's kind of a Barney Stinson. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, a Joey Joey um Tribbiani character. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> but then again, we we do at this point kind of know why he's like that. But we'll save that for another episode. Yeah, I I don't remember all those details, so I'm gonna have to discover that as we watch more episodes. Yeah. I'm I'm enjoying these classic episodes. So I, I I expect we'll be doing more of these. Yeah, yeah, they're kind of fun to go through. Okay. Uh, so next episode. Uh, we've got Piano Man, which is season three, episode fifteen. Uh, this one was your choice. My choice. It was November tenth, nineteen eighty-five. Uh, one of the few that was actually in the eighties. There weren't there weren't many that went that far in the future. Um, in this one, Sam leaps into a lounge lizard going by Chuck Danner. We find out later his name's Joey DiNardo. And mm -hmm. he needs to keep him and his ex-girlfriend from getting killed. <laughs> ex? Yeah. Not ex. Yeah. Something like that. Um, it, it kind of... I had fun. I had fun with this episode. You know what? It wasn't one of those serious episodes. It was kind of... Um, it, it's one of my favorites. Um, there's a lot of silliness in it. A little bit different silliness than the last episode. Um, mm -hmm. But Lorraine and her absolute ditzy, clumsy... Yeah, it was It was like slapsticky. Yeah, exactly. Um, it was a lot of fun. And then, you know, S Scott sings in this episode, so... <laughs> it was It was no surprise to me. That I picked this Very, one. right off the bat, obviously, because that's how the episode starts. Yeah. Um, why you chose this episode because I, I always knew you, you loved him singing. Yeah. It was always my favorites. So the Elvis one is coming, guys. The Elvis one is coming. <laughs> Maybe next episode. You're right. <laughs> uh, um, go, go I will say that Lorraine did start to bug me. <laughs> she did. I, I don't think... Um, like after we got the the character trait of her, like she thinks she's a jinx, yeah, and she's you know klutzy a little bit. I think it was so driven in, so hardcore that it borderlines on like bad character design. Um, there's very little development in her at all. She kind of starts and ends in the same <laughs> in the same yeah. place in the episode. So she got a little tough to swallow. Um, as the episode went on, it uh, started off like a unique take, but I, I was a little tired of her at the end of the episode. <laughs> but okay, obviously this this Joey guy like loves her. 
So maybe he's yeah. a glutton for punishment. Maybe I, I don't know. I think I think maybe he might be similar. Probably. Like I mean, he kind of looked squirrely <laughs> when you see him. <laughs> he did. I mean, I don't, I don't want to bash the actor, but I, I'm sure they did it up on purpose to, to see that. Yeah. Way. Um, but you know, he looked like he looked like the kind of guy that would be a perfect match for someone like Lorraine. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I was like, um, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to skip ahead to that one on, on my notes. It was funny, but it would get old quick. But was she unlucky before he saw the murder? Or has she like always been this way? But Well, she did say like her, her first two boyfriends died, <laughs> right? So... Um, I can't remember the, the exact, uh, it might have been three actually, I can't remember the exact scenarios, but like they weren't just like bad luck breakups, they died. So like, so I think the answer is she's probably always been that way. <laughs> yeah, no, I even wrote, I said, I can't imagine anyone being able to stand all the bumbling until death do his part, but maybe with her clumsiness, he won't live with it that long. <laughs> yeah well yeah especially after she goes about her, her other boyfriends well but, and even with oh, um the guy she was engaged to yeah he dies because she, she <laughs> drops a plane engine on him on accident <laughs> I'd actually like to see the police like like unwrap that right like so why is this guy under this plane you just accidentally killed him huh he was trying to kill you and then you accidentally killed him with a plane engine i feel like there was a pun that i i can't remember now off the top of my head but there was like there was something said earlier in the episode that kind of foreshadowed that Oh, because oh, no, I feel... she was... Oh, she said, I always thought you'd die in a plane crash or something oh, like yeah. that. Yeah, it was right after it, yeah. Yeah, it's like, well, plane crashed. I guess being the third or fourth um, boyfriend who's died around her, it wasn't that traumatizing, so... And she's used to it by now. <laughs> she's used to it by now. Yeah, and speaking of trauma, in in the very beginning, this is one of my big ones, Sam loaned the car to Chuck's friend and then it blows up. Yeah. And they kind of move on from that really quickly. Yeah. And actually, is that just like one of the first instances of Sam accidentally not dying? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, like it was such a simple decision to just loan him his car keys, but that was what he had to do in order to not get um, Chuck to die. Exactly. And, and it's kind of, I mean, like, we've talked about Sam's character, how he's kind and caring. It didn't seem... So why wouldn't he? Yeah, it didn't yeah. seem like he cared all that much. He's like, okay, they're dead, but I gotta go. Like, was it... Yeah. Like, was, <laughs> was it the adrenaline rush, or was it just the writers kind of being like, oh, we don't have time to unpack this, so yeah. let's, let's move on. Because we... I do remember him kind of mentioning it, but then, yeah, it's just like, okay, we're done with that. Yeah, because there was another... And then focuses... Well, yeah, there was another episode where he leaped in and the guy was already dead. And he, like, had a big issue with that. He's like, aren't I supposed to leap in to save people? 
So I was like, they kind of brushed that one over. They kind of, they, they shift that focus from the people who died to the fact that now Sam feels bad that Lorraine's in danger when she wasn't before. Yeah, that's true too. But I think originally she died in the car bombing too. Oh, she did? Okay. I want to say I, I, yes. I missed that or I forgot it or something. But I remember them talking about um, having to split up because Lorraine, Lorraine shouldn't be the one that's in trouble. Yeah. Um, Although I do, I do remember... <laughs> It there is one line Al says that kind of makes me reaffirm that Chuck is also kind of a klutzy, squirrely guy. Yeah. When he said, "If you go up against, um, I don't remember his name, the the the, the, the meathead, Nikki." Yeah, Nikki. Yeah, Nikki. Um, you only have a three percent chance of success. Like, like Sam's <laughs> shown to not be a, a slack, right? He can use a gun. He can defend himself. Yeah. But but when he's in this body, only a 3% <laughs> chance of success. Yeah. So I think I think Chuck is, um, I think Chuck is probably also kind of klutzy. Yeah. Squirrely dude. And I mean, we we see in, in the show, he he's a lounge lizard. He does music. He's not, he's not built for action. <laughs> He's just, you know, um, and that was, that was another thing I wanted to bring up when they were, when they were in the car and they're talking about like why he ran away and everything like this. And mm -hmm. then she almost gets him killed again because she's mm -hmm. so excited. He didn't leave her for her. He yeah. <laughs> but okay. So her fiance <laughs> is the guy who wants him dead, right? He's the guy that mm -hmm. killed Chuck Ponzi, Pondy, or uh, oh god, what was his name? It started with a P. You got that, yeah. Um, so I want to say it's like Pondy, or yeah. Something like that. And then so that guy killed him, and she seems shocked, but she's engaged to the guy. Like if they were all friends growing up, and she was with him, wouldn't she like? Yeah, how did she not know? That was my my other gripe. I actually didn't think about it that deeply, but. My other gripe, and it's a gripe I have with anything that has something like this going on, is why why Sam and Al couldn't put together that it was her fiancé who was sending people after him because every time she told her fiancé what was going on, that's when something would start happening. Exactly. And, like, I think in every other episode, they would catch on if they're smarter than that. But for the sake of the writing... Or for the sake of the plot in this episode, yeah. the characters can't figure it out because that's kind of what's driving the plot. That always kind of bothers me with, with any sort of... A lot of things do something like that, but yeah. and, it always kind of bothers me. And this one this one in particular, it's kind of overused, I think. Like four times. Well, I mean, not even just in this episode, but in media in general. There's always someone who's calling someone and then, oh my God, surprise, something happens. Like, yeah. Like, gee, it must be that person you keep talking to. <laughs> I can never put it together. But then, yeah, what you said, like, how did she not know that? I don't remember what the name he was using was, but how did she know that wasn't Nikki? Yeah. and Or how, how did she not know that was Nikki? Because, I mean, we could say that maybe she'd never met the guy, but the way she talked about his friend was like, it almost felt like she knew him. Yeah. So, you know, maybe they weren't like, BFFs at the time, but 
She had to have known something, seen a picture. And if her and Chuck were like so in love and these were his childhood best friends. Yeah. Even if she met him later in life, there would be evidence that. Okay. (laughs) Little little plot holes, but you know, overall still a fun episode. Yeah, it was still fun. I can forgive it. I I like uh, I like the car chases. I liked the um, the uh, the guy when he brought in the car and he wanted the tire or whatever. He's like eighty bucks. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I wish I could spend eighty bucks for a right? tire. And then he winds up stealing the truck anyway. Yeah. yeah, he gets his money back. Yeah. Um. And then on that on that note, when he had to steal the truck, it's because he drove Lorraine away, thinking he was going to save her because. You know, Al was like, hey, you need to split. Otherwise, you're both going to die. And then she winds up still dying. And they still didn't put it together that it was yeah. her fiance. I think. Yeah, they, that's just. <laughs> they didn't put that together till like the last minute. Not until. Yeah, not l- until literally the, the climax of the show. Yeah. <laughs> and, and this is one of those. um. This is one of those episodes, though, where Sam tries to do something to save someone, and he winds up only making it worse. <laughs> time and time yeah. again. Yeah, I mean, it's not. We don't see it in every episode, but there are quite a few episodes where he's like, "I'm going to do it this way, and we're going to be fine," and then things just nope go off the deep end. It's like, yeah. Now, um, the singing. Excuse me, I'm hitting puberty or something. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Damn it again! The singing, uh, the singing, uh, was really good. Of course, obviously, I liked. Um, I liked when they sang "Footloose." That was great. It was. A, it was a good little, I think, break to break up all of what was happening in the episode. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people can kind of complain. It's like, oh, there was no point to it. That didn't serve any purpose for the show. But I think it's a good sort of way to break up everything that's happening. You know, that this wasn't a very deep episode. Right. There wasn't a lot to it. So just having some fun and just, you know, common, especially of TV of the, of the 90s and the 2000s, for, like, the actors wanting to show off what they can do. And I don't know if that's what this was, but I'm, I'm for it. Like, um, I, I like to see that the people I like to watch are deeper, multi-talented people instead of just, you know, actors who are yeah. in it for the money. I, so I like I like the creativeness and the, the breakup of the the craziness of the episode. Yeah, they just had, they had a moment between, you know, the rain spilling coffee on people and stuff like that and getting shot at. And they just, just to have that moment. And, you know, like you said, I love Scott Bakula's singing voice. Was he actually playing that piano? That I don't know. Um, because when they start the song and when they end the song, they're showing his hands on the keys. And I didn't like rewatch it to verify, but it looked like he was doing the correct thing. But yeah, then the rest of it, they don't. Yeah, I, I'm not 100% sure. I know he sings. I know he dances. I've seen him on stage doing both. Uh, I don't know about his uh, musical instrument skills. I'm a bad fan. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, well, I, 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 I was impressed. I would believe that he was actually playing it. So 
I'll just pretend he was. Yeah. Um, back on the music thing, though, when he first leaps in and he can't figure out how to turn off the beat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not quite as traumatic as leaping in and thinking you're working a, a spaceship, but... An actual, like... <laughs> Did I sleep into the future? That's not possible. How is this happening? <laughs> but but yeah, just the and everybody's just kind of looking. I'm like, what is wrong with this dude? But um, that first song, "Somewhere in the Night," that's like one of my favorite songs in the whole world. So another one that Emily listened to in utero. <laughs> nice. <laughs> my poor child. Yeah, she turned out. Yeah, right. she did. She's a good kid. Well, she's a, a good adult yeah. now, I guess. <laughs> yeah, good adult. Who o- almost actually was, if she had been a boy, she probably would have been a Sam or or an Al. Because that was on in the hospital. <laughs> I was like, oh, look, I get Quantum Leap in here. But she was a girl. So, as we saw in Piano Man, uh, Joey slash Chuck... You know, he had to go on the run, change his life. So our question this week is, like, if you had to go on the run or go into witness protection, something like that, and you had to change your life, what is the one thing about you that you love or do or anything like that that you wouldn't be able to give up? Kind of like, how would people be able to find you? Uh, Before I answer, I would actually... I would actually like to <laughs> investigate how on earth Lorraine found Chuck, right? So, I mean, he he was a lounge player. He liked playing his music. That's That all makes sense when you're watching the episode. But now that I've thought more about it, how how did she go about doing that? Was she just like look up every lounge player in the, <laughs> in the country and just look at every single one? Is that what took so long? Right. And I mean, there's no internet. It, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> and he changed his name. Yeah. It, so, like, did she literally just go to every lounge player in the world or country? I. That's a good question. <laughs> I mean, like I, I've said before, I used to dial zero to get an operator when I would lose a phone number. <laughs> yeah. And do people even have that job anymore? Uh, <laughs> Is that a thing that still exists? There's like one lonely old lady. Working the switchboard? I feel like if that job existed, I must have, like, I would know one person at some point in the last 30 years of my life who had that job, right? Yeah, I don't... I I don't even think that's a thing. Can you even dial zero? I don't even have a landline to test. I doubt it would work with the cell phone, so I think you would have to have a landline. Yeah, I don't have one of those either. I'm going to have to look into this someday. Well, well, we have the internet, though, so we can do that. That's, that's true. I can just look it up instead of trying to do it manually. Um, for me, it comes down to one of two things. My cats, obviously. I love my kitties, and I love to post about them. So, like, even if I change names and my cats change names, you'd probably see <laughs> a lonely cat dad with two cats posting about his kitties all the time. And my, um, my, <laughs> I've used the same username for everything I've ever used online for the most part since high school. 
I think it would be very hard to give that up. And I think that's just too easy. I think I would be found too easy. Yeah, I would probably be found too easy too. On the opposite side of the spectrum, though, I change my usernames on a whim. That's true. So <laughs> you do. <laughs> I can never stick with one thing, but um, you bes- we're gonna ignore the fact that I have a kid that would probably never let me go missing. She yeah, would, she would hunt <laughs> me down and find me. Um, but you know, barring that. I think people would find me with my writing because I can't give that up. And even if True. I use pen names or whatever, I've had people find things under my pen name and be like, hey, is this you? <laughs> it sounds like you're right. <laughs> yes, it's me. So I think that would probably, at the very least, if I posted a fan fiction, somebody, oh, she's still alive. She's somewhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So basically what it comes down to for both of us is our fiction love. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Video games for me, uh, writing for you. Yep. And of course my cats. Yeah, and like I said, my kid, if I tried to disappear, she'd probably come hunt me down and shoot me herself. She'd be like, "Yeah, how dare you? <laughs> it would be non-lethal though. She would just want me to suffer. Beanbag. Yeah. <laughs> A cornhole gun. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, no one's going to understand that. Um, that's okay. We'll, we'll just say that our family is a little bit crazy about that game. <laughs> <laughs> Newly crazy. We've recently discovered it. And we're kind of brutal when we play it. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, this was fun. Thank you guys for giving us a listen. And we hope to hear you guys uh, answering some feedback about our question in the, um, what's it called? It's uh, the Anchor app or the Anchor or app. on the website. But it's not like, uh, and when YouTube, you say it's a description. What's this one called? The notes. The notes. That's what you always call oh, it. Oh, the show notes. Show yes. notes. There we go. Yeah. Check out the question in the show notes. Let us know what's the one thing um, that people would find you with. And we'll see you guys on the next episode. Bye. What did you think of today's show? Send us a message on Anchor or find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at PQL Podcast. Links will be provided in the show notes. Show us some love. Follow and subscribe. And don't forget to leave a rating in your favorite podcast app. You can also help support the podcast by visiting either our Anchor support page or PayPal link in the show notes. All supporters will get a special mention at the end of our episodes. And we are working on new and exciting perks to bring you in the future. 